pretty staggering news coming out of the release of the Durham report. Uh, if the early analysis and the early reporting is in fact a reflection of reality, uh, what this may in fact uh, open the curtain to or take the lid off of is arguably the, the, the biggest scandal uh, in the history of our country, even more so than Watergate. Um, the report, the Durham report, uh, which was just very recently released, seems to indicate that um, all of the talk that Donald Trump, uh, former President Trump, uh, had been uh, talking about in terms of the deep state and the liberal media and the FBI and all these different agencies and the, the Obama administration, all these things, uh, the Clinton campaign, all of these whom he accused of trying to undermine him as presidency, to smear him, to bring all kinds of fake accusations and, and all that kind of thing. Apparently that was in fact the case. That, um, you know, it sounded crazy to think that that many organizations within uh, institutions, within government, uh, the, the political system itself could be uh, so uh, dramatically tainted and manipulated uh, to undermine the candidacy of a legitimately elected official president. Um, it, you know, it's, it's a bigger scandal than Watergate. This is a good point to interject this. It's a bigger deal than Watergate was, at least in this regard. Uh, the Watergate scandal, for those who are young and really have no idea what that is, um, it's, uh, you can read about it in the book, All the President's Men. You can basically get a, a pretty solid idea of it from the movie of the same name, All the President's Men. It's actually one of my favorite movies and books. I'm kind of a nerd, but anyway, so, but the Watergate scandal was uh, based around the idea, or based around the illegal break-in, not that the break-ins are not illegal, but the, uh, the break-in by, uh, of the Democratic National Headquarters at the Watergate building in Washington, uh, by some operatives that it turned out had direct connections with the Republican Party. Uh, as a matter of fact, it uh, direct connections with people that were advisors to President Nixon and possibly, and, and very probably, very likely, I guess I'm trying to remember if it's actually been demonstrated or if, or if it's been cut off just short of it, um, but even involving the president himself, President Nixon. And so what makes this an even worse scandal than that is that at the time of Watergate, most of the newspapers didn't report on it because it just seemed too far-fetched. It seemed like a really outlandish story. The Washington Post, who broke the story, uh, if you're familiar with the names Woodward and Bernstein, the reporters who broke the story and followed it through, um, uh, you know, it, it just seemed crazy to think that, that um, you know, institutions within the United States government and even potentially the White House itself could perpetrate such a violation of the public trust and such a uh, horrendous crime to undermine democracy and all this kind of thing. Um, uh, at least there was a newspaper reporting on it that stuck with it and, and exercised the First Amendment in terms of the freedom of the press to hold accountable the highest levels of government uh, and that kind of thing. Here, in this particular case, and I can't say that this didn't exist at all at the time of Watergate, but today it's sort of a foregone conclusion, and if it wasn't for you, after this it probably will be a foregone conclusion, that not only are the institutions of government um, tainted and manipulated um, and bought and paid for essentially, but it is it will be hard to walk away from this scandal 
and not acknowledge that the media is absolutely complicit in that as well and, and bought and paid for as well. Much could be said for anyone who's ever paid attention to this stuff of just the very small handful of people that own these uh, multi, uh, multi-faceted news conglomerates and that essentially there's a small handful of people that are uh, pulling the strings on what uh, qualifies as news, how stories are to be told and that kind of thing. If you ever thought that that was conspiratorial, uh, it, it would be almost impossible if in fact this Durham report uh, bears out to be true as it is. Uh, it would be hard to imagine anybody walking away from that and having any sense of the legitimate objectivity of the media in our country anymore. Um, now, most, most anyone who's been paying attention lost that sense a long time ago. But for anybody who's holding on to it out of, out of a sense of, you know, just wanting to believe the best that we can about our institutions and such, uh, this, this likely will go a long way to undermining whatever uh, sense you have of the honesty and integrity of media. And so, um, along with the institutions of government. So, um, now, this again is not intended to be a diatribe on all of that per se. Uh, my intention in talking about these things is that I have felt for some time, and I've, I've shared this, and I'm not alone, this is not unique to me, but I have felt for some time that, were, that there were going to be some, uh, some events that were going to take place that were going to demonstrate uh, the reality of the utter and total decay and collapse that is guaranteed to be coming for the United States. Now, I say it's guaranteed because the scriptures bear, bear out the idea that the nations of this world uh, are going to, or the, uh, the kingdoms of this world will in fact, according to Revelation 15, one day become uh, the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Uh, there, there is a time coming when all the nations of the world will shake and tremble over the cup of trembling that is Jerusalem. Uh, in, in, in short, what I'm saying is that the events that God has said are, are going to take place that ultimately will usher in the final rebellion against Christ that comes at his return when he puts down that final rebellion and establishes his kingdom, the millennial kingdom. These things will happen. Well, what that means is, is that all of the nations, including the United States of America, will ultimately be be brought down in order for that to take place. The Bible tells us what kingdoms will ultimately come in succession leading up to that time. Uh, ultimately, it will be a revived Roman Empire that, that is the last uh, global empire, and it turns out it will be managed, run, overseen by Antichrist. We see this in Revelation chapters 13 through 19, or halfway through 19 when Christ comes in verse 11. Um, but we see these things spelled out for us in advance. This is the beauty of biblical prophecy, is that with a 100% track record, we are asked to look at the events that are marked out to come down the road in, in uh, the days to come, and to trust that God's word will be as true about these upcoming events as it has been in all of those events that predicted in the past. And so when I say that it is guaranteed that the United States will one day fall, it is because the scriptures say that all of the nations of this world will one day come under the auspices of Christ. And that, when it comes to the United States, do not be fooled. That is not because the United States is going to somehow have this sort of Christian resurgence and the United States will become a Christian nation that will just gladly partner with the Millennial Kingdom. That's not how it's going to work. All the nations of this world are going to stand in rebellion against Christ when he returns 
not that every single person, there will be believers at that time, but by and large, the vast 99% majority of the world will stand in rebellion alongside of Antichrist and the false prophet when Jesus returns. Again, Revelation chapters 19, moving into chapter 20, when Christ establishes his thousand-year millennial reign. And so, with that in mind, taking that as a foregone conclusion, which is the perspective I'm taking, I'm not, I don't in any way hedge my bets on that. That will happen. The scriptures have been absolutely correct and true and have borne themselves out over time. There's no reason whatsoever to doubt that the things that it says about the days yet ahead of us will not in fact happen. And so, you can take that to the bank. So, that being said, since that's going to happen, the question that naturally arises from that is how does a nation like the United States fall? How does a superpower, an empire as it were, like the United States and its far-reaching influence around the globe, uh, economically, politically, socially, uh, in all of these different ways, how does that happen? How does a country with the kind of, uh, in our day, with such, uh, such influence around the world, uh, ultimately be taken down? Well, uh, I think in a, in a, to be somewhat succinct about it, I think much like Rome did. Uh, Rome was never conquered by another nation, but rather Rome corrupted from within, and therefore it collapsed and it corrupted. And so I think that we are obviously, uh, you'd have to be the most uh, far left liberal leaning person in the world to look at what's going on around us and to say things are going pretty well. Uh, it is very, very obvious that on virtually every single level, Matter of fact, I would say every level, but it may be that I'm unaware of some level where this isn't true. But on virtually every single level, decline and decay is what marks the United States and really Western civilization. Um, it is not in any way difficult to imagine the inward corruption that will one day spell the end and demise of Western culture and society, and not the least of which at the center of that, of course, being the United States. Um, and one of the reasons why I connect that idea with what's going on with the Durham report is not because I think that everybody in the Durham report is just going to suddenly take heed to what's been said in this report, but because I think by and large they won't. Uh, I think that this report will be damning. I think this report, as it's, as it's already being reported, uh, ex essentially exonerates President Trump and, and bears out what he accused the media and the uh, uh, the institutions of government of doing. Um, and again, this is not a plug for Trump. I'm not saying that. Um, what I'm saying, though, is that a story like this should absolutely have generational impact uh, in terms of, of, uh, of waking up a society to recognize the inner corruption of the nation that it is living in, uh, like Watergate did. It's, it's, it, it caused us to, for the very first time, uh, almost with a unified sense of, of national pride, question our national institutions. Because if something like that could happen at the highest levels of government, well, what on earth does that mean, you know? But we have come so far from that time that for this to happen, something that is arguably a bigger deal than even Watergate was, um, or bigger than, um, you know, Johnson's, uh, you know, use of the, the, the Gulf of Tonkin affair to get us involved in Vietnam with, uh, with full endorsement and full uh, having a blank check to sort of get us involved in that. Any of those crises and scandals that have taken place, uh, it is arguable that this one is bigger than any of them. But I have a, a feeling that this is like many other uh, events uh, of recent times, 
essentially falling upon a very numbed national psyche to the point where it will likely not only not have the effect it should have, it very likely will not have any effect, any lasting effect. In a world where news cycles change by the minute, this may have its 15 minutes in the, in the spotlight, but it will quickly fall to the wayside, and I doubt it will have any lasting impact. Um, and, and, and here, again, is, is let me come back to an idea that, that I've, I've held and I've been personally watching. And, and again, others have said similar kinds of things as well. Again, I'm not trying to act like I'm out in front of the pack or anything. I'm not. I think this is uh, somewhat common thinking among those who watch these things. I think there are a number of, of particular events that we want to be watching for to help us get a sense of just how close we are to the United States uh, no longer being an obstacle to the globalist agenda uh, that is underway and frankly is embraced, embraced by many within our own government. Uh, I'm personally of the belief, and I know I sound like a tinfoil hat nut on this particular post, but I'm sort of, this is all very fresh and so I'm just putting some ideas out here based on just what I'm aware and what I've personally been able to look into a little bit in the report so far. Um, but I, I do personally believe, by the way, just to finish that thought, that I think that anyone who's serving in our government right now, who's, who's been serving in our government for more than 15 years or so, between 10 and 20 years, uh, is pretty well on board with the globalist agenda. I think that there are a couple of voices that would seek to stand against it. Um, you know, uh, there, I, I hesitate to say their names, not because of any other reason than the fact that I may be wrong. They may just be putting up a front and acting as though they're not for the globalist agenda and just putting on a good show for the parties and that. But I would argue that most, by and large, and it's hard to imagine from the things that they've said and the things they voted for uh, and that kind of thing, that, that by and large, most of the people uh, in our government that are of any federal level national influence are likely on board with the globalist agenda. Uh, and so that being said, um, let me just click this really quick here, I'm not sure if that's showing up. But, so we want to be aware that uh, this is the world that we're now in. And so there's a few events that we want to pay attention to to give us an indicator of just if we've totally gone off the precipice or not. Some would point to the 2020 election uh, with all of the popularity of Trump and all that kind of thing and just the, the massive numbers of people that came out to all of his rallies uh, and, the, and the, the, the virtual complete lack of any campaigning that, that Biden did at all for Biden to win that election seems almost unfathomable. Now, I'm not throwing my hat in the ring on, on whether or not the election was stolen or any of those kinds of things. That's not my intention on this at all. Um, but I would say that some would point to that. I would point to the upcoming election in 2024. Not only uh, will you have a Democratic nominee, if in fact uh, Biden is the one who's standing for the Democratic Party, uh, who is completely incapable of, of running the country, but on top of that, you also have a national economy and political and social structure right now that is so falling apart and so uh, uh, so bad in so many ways that it is absolutely impossible to imagine how that many people could really be on board with it. Either they are, and that's an indicator that enough people in our country want us to continue down the road to destruction that we're on, or in fact, it doesn't matter who's running for office, whoever's behind the scenes is just going to make sure that who they want as their candidate is going to be in the White House. Um, I think the, uh, the upcoming 2024 election is going to be very, very telling in that regard. It may be that God gives us another reprieve for a few years, 
but I do have to wonder if the, the days of those reprieves are over and we find ourselves on the brink of falling completely over the cliff into globalism uh, and a system that is one day again going to be under the uh, leadership of Antichrist. I'm sort of sketching broadly here when I'm describing these things. I'm not going into lots and lots of detail um, because I want to keep this somewhat brief and also my battery is about to die, to be honest with you. But mostly I just want you to be paying attention to these things. I wanted to put up a quick uh, post based on the fact that this report had come out and what my perceived sense of what the reaction is going to be to it. I may be wrong, and I hope I am. I hope that this completely pricks at the uh, national conscience, whatever of it remains, and people are absolutely appalled at the fact that um, that all of these uh, institutions and, and uh, political operatives and such actually did do the kinds of things that uh, that that President Trump accused him of, that these things actually turned out to be true, uh, that the deep state is in fact uh, uh, emerging to the surface in very visible ways. Uh, I think it's important for us to pay attention to those things. Again, not in a sensationalized way where we just lose our minds and, and all that kind of thing, but rather as believers, the world will lose their minds. But as believers, this has to be a reminder to us of just how close we are uh, to the events that Scripture describes as fulfilling those things in the last days uh, that it describes. And so we need to be prayerful. We need to be engaged in what's going on around us. We cannot hide our heads in the sand because if, in fact, we're getting close to that day that, uh, that Christ is going to return to establish his kingdom to the behest of an entire global population who wants to stop him, if the days, that last 70th year, uh, 70th week of Daniel, that last seven-year period of time is on the threshold, then the rapture of the church is even closer. And what that means is, is that it's just about time to punch out and go home. And I don't know about you, but I want to have my hand on the plow when Jesus comes. I want him to have to take me, grab the back of my shirt, and pull my hand off the plow working for his glory. Uh, in other words, I don't want to be sitting around um, hiding my head in the sand, knowing that the days are upon us. I think I want to uh, follow the admonition of Scripture, uh, which would encourage us to always be looking and always be about the Master's business. Um, this is arguably... Matter of fact, I, I don't even know if I would say arguably. Uh, this period of time, since like the 70s on, when there was a resurgence of interest in looking for the coming of Christ and the rapture and such, uh, the days of late great planet Earth and Hal Lindsey and all those kinds of things, I think that since the first century, this era, this time of, say, the late 60s into the 70s on to our day, um, this, these, these are the two bookends to church history that include a desire and a fervent looking for the coming of Christ. Uh, and I think that's appropriate because in the same way that in the first century they were looking for Jesus to come and get him right then, I think too that we should be looking for Jesus to come and get us right now. I don't think we should be imagining that we're a hundred years away from the rapture and the second coming. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say we're a hundred months from the rapture. I, I would love to think we're not a hundred days or a hundred minutes, um, but I would say that we want to be mindful and watch what's going on around us because, and, and I'll end with this and see if I have enough battery to finish this, but in the same way that Jesus indicted the Pharisees for not recognizing this, the signs of the times of his first coming, he accused them of this, he indicted them for this, 
You can tell the signs of the weather and discern, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Uh, those times that were descriptive of his first coming. They were clear, they were evident, and frankly, they were obvious, and they were overlooked. And I would, uh, I would encourage you as a follower of Jesus Christ, the disciple of the Lamb, that you not be able to be indicted for the same thing in regard to a second coming. So, uh, God bless you. Uh, and we'll catch up with you in the next post, or whether it's here, there, or in the air. Uh, be looking, be watching, be waiting, and be excited. Because we're watching things happen that are leading us up to that time when we will get to see our Lord. So, Father, thank you for the excitement that comes with recognizing the events that are going on around us and seeing what's happening. Father, we don't want to take a sensationalized mindset where we just start getting crazy. But on the other hand, we don't want to be blind. We don't want to go all the other way and just assume that because people have been saying this stuff forever, um, that that means that we're not on the cusp. You and your word told us that the world would begin to look very much like this. There have always been wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, and those kinds of things. Um, and that, I believe, is to keep us always being ready and watching. But in terms of the government of Antichrist and all those kinds of things, the political and financial systems and all those kinds of things, uh, Father, we're living in days that put us right on the threshold of watching these things come to pass. So help us to be ready for that moment when Jesus comes for us and help us to be busy about his, uh, his business before he comes for us and while he's coming for us up to the very second, uh, that twinkling of an eye when we find ourselves changed and forever in his presence. So thank you, Lord. We love you and bless you for the blessed hope that you've given us. And we pray that you'd help us to walk in confidence in dark days, knowing that the light of Christ is about to be shown so that every eye will see at his coming. We love you and thank you, Father. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.